Welcome to the Evolved Athlete Podcast, where the best in the biz come to talk all things fitness, nutrition, overcoming challenges, to helping you on your journey to greatness. Let's dive into today's episode. Welcome. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Evolved Athlete Podcast. We are approaching New Year's Eve, which is tomorrow, the start of the new year. And what a better opportunity than to talk about how to set you guys up for the best chances for success heading into the new year. And I'll tell you what, one of the biggest things that I've learned this past year as far as how to achieve success is becoming less goal-oriented and more habit-oriented. And this is not to say that you shouldn't have goals. Goals are absolutely absolutely necessary for success. However, what I am going to say, though, is what separates those who succeed and reach their goals and get to the top percent versus those who don't. And it comes down to your habits because individuals who don't succeed will have goals all the time, right? You know, they want to be super successful. They want to lose 50 pounds. They want to get their dream body. They want their dream career. They want to have this type of house, this type of lifestyle, whatever. Um, but it's, if you focus too much on the goals and less on the day-to-day, you are less likely to achieve what is what it is that you're seeking after. And so we need to become more habit oriented. And, you know, I always, you know, have been, I see this resounding, this revolving theme in a lot of different books from a lot of different authors um, that talk about this and focusing on the day in and the day out, you know, learning to be present, learning to be focused on what's in front of you um, rather than be too future minded. I guess it's good to envision what you want. It's good to, you know, try to become that future version of yourself, such as if you were to do self-authoring from Jordan Peterson. Um, but it's and it's super important, however, to focus on the small things day to day because that's what keeps you in control. That's what keeps you focused. That's what keeps you motivated. Um, and so what I really want to talk about today is for the last podcast of 2022 is talk about how to become habit-oriented, how to build good habits, how to break bad ones, and how to lead yourself into the new year. And we're going to talk about multiple concepts here, and we're going to take most of our concepts from Atomic Habits. This was a book written by James Clear. Um, this is a, a an awesome book that I love to read. I recommend it to all of our listeners and all of our audience out there. Um, as far as one of the best books I've read, as far as the science and practical steps that you can take to creating better habits. And so I want to go through step-by-step the overarching themes here as far as what we can take away from James Clear uh, and how we can apply it to other principles and ultimately how it uh, evolves into thinking about Dr. Tim Elmore's self-leadership habitudes. And so one of the biggest themes in Atomic Habits is we need to focus on what we can control. Um, And the habits that we have each and every day are the absolute best lever for that because we cannot progress without great habits. We can have great goals, but if we do not have great habits, there is no actionable steps that we take every day. There is nothing to keep track of. There is nothing to reflect on and take a look at what is the reason why we're not getting to where we want to be. It's the habits day in and day out. It is the non-negotiables. This is something that I've started with my own clients and athletes as far as keeping track of the non-negotiable habits that you create each and every day. And I'm going to dive into how I do that later on in the podcast episode today. But I really want to focus right now on being 
being the habits that we need to change for the right outcomes in our relationships, in our fitness, in our health, finances, career, we can really apply this to absolutely every aspect of our life. And the more you become disciplined and focused on these habits, the more that you prioritize them and schedule them, the more likely you are to get to where you want to go. And so I want to put on the, you know, the, the biggest overarching uh, theme that James Clear tries to communicate in his book is that when you are figuring out what your goals are, when you're figuring out how to establish these habits, you can't think so much about, oh, I'm just, I'm going to get into running and that's what's going to help me get my fitness goals and help me get in better shape. Rather, you want to reframe that perspective as saying the goal is not to run a marathon, if that's what it is that you're trying to do. It's to become a runner. Same thing if you want to write a book. The goal isn't to write a book, it's to become a writer. And when you change the grammar in that way, it allows you to see this from a perspective of, I have to have the habits of what a runner is. I have to have the habits of what an author or a writer is. And that's going to help me make progress. That's going to help me establish the habits that I need to do each and every day to fit that mold, to make that dream become a reality. And so it becomes less about goals and more about your priorities. And so, and this is where we're going to dive into what is the difference between good habits and bad habits? And when we look at bad habits, we look at we if we were to put this on like a Punnett square and we put four different squares and we look at bad habits at the top left and in each column we have immediate reward and then the ultimate reward. And so in other words, delayed gratification. And so if we look at bad habits, for example, overconsumption of highly palatable foods, so overconsuming dessert foods and high fat foods and, you know, these pizzas and all these kinds of things that we really, really enjoy um, that I always recommend that we enjoy in moderation, but we don't go overboard with. Um, we see that these bad habits of overconsuming these things are, you know, they're favorable, you know, right? They're, they're sweet. They taste good. All right. They give us that instant dopamine hit of, oh my God, I got to have more. Um, but unfortunately, the ultimate reward of our bad habits is highly unfavorable. If we overconsume calories incessantly without physical activity, without moderation, that's what increases our risk of becoming overweight, becoming, over, becoming obese, um, having health-related issues like high blood pressure and diabetes, and results in things later on down the line that'll decrease our lifespan, that'll decrease our quality of life. Whereas when we look at good habits like exercising every day, journaling, uh, taking time to structure our day, um, things that make us better, things that are tough. You know, unfortunately, the immediate reward for some of those things um, are painful, but we always feel great right afterwards, right? And then the ultimate reward of those things is highly favorable. You know, you get the, the big example of this is, you know, when you're looking at your finances um, and when you create that budget for the first time and you really stick to that budget, um, you know, it's, you know, the, the immediate reward is painful because you're not able to do all the things you want to do right away. Way, like going out to eat all the time and buying expensive coffees and buying, you know, these crazy things that you want. But by practicing, you know, patience and delayed gratification and saving that money and getting ahead and getting out of debt, then the ultimate reward is highly favorable. Now you're not living paycheck to paycheck. Now you're not stressed out about money all the time. Uh, I know there's, you know, there's certain circumstances that will dictate whether or not which way direction that goes. But if we apply this to the good habits and see this from a perspective of this is Good habits, although are, you know, I don't like the word painful. I like to say tough at the start. They result in highly, highly favorable results.
And so that's why we have to say to ourselves in this present moment, you know, the cost of your good habits is the present. Okay. And so we can sacrifice now for a better future, you know, live how others won't now to live how others won't later. Um, but the cost of your bad habits, unfortunately, is your future. And we talk about this a lot in my classes in the university, where we talk about, you know, your health span and your quality of life. And so all the decisions you're making right now for your health, fitness and nutrition wise, you know, are going to reduce your quality of life later on. A lot of the diseases that we see in the United States today and across the world with heart disease and obesity, cancers, dementias, all these things, they can be highly altered by our lifestyle habits. It's, 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 it's that simple from drinking alcohol, over, over drinking alcohol, smoking, uh, being sedentary and not engaging in physical activity, not engaging in stress management. All of these things uh, will positively or negatively affect life down the road. And so the fact is, is that we, our biggest mistake that we make is that we prioritize the present over the future. And that's what ends up making a lot of the habit challenge very, very difficult. And so now I want to get into, you know, what are the three big things that we can do here to get on board with being more habit oriented? And the first thing is to optimize your environment, you know, and this is not only a, a common theme that James Clear talks about in his book, Atomic Habits, but also what Dr. Benjamin Hardy talks about and willpower doesn't work. Um, if you're constantly in an environment where you're exposed to that bad habit, to where you're, you continue to purchase these highly palatable processed foods and they're all over your, your countertops and in your pantries, um, even when, you know, the biggest, uh, the biggest thing I get from, you know, moms and dads a lot of the times is, oh, well, my, my kids really, really enjoy it. And then I say, well, that's great and all, but at the same time, what kind of example are you setting for your kids if that's continuing to be in your environment, okay? And can, they're continuing to engage in those bad habits. And even as children, remember, children are highly malleable um, and highly plastic, which means that they're flexible in, in the fact that they will start to pick up these bad habits and become ingrained in them. It's, it's more important as children for them to establish good habits now to make it easier on them when they're adults. Um, and so we have to, we have to optimize our environment. It's like, you know, an alcoholic who's, you know, trying to stay away from alcohol, but continues to put beer in the fridge. It's like, it's like okay, well, this isn't exactly going to work. Um, you have to, the most important thing you can do, you can't not, you can't willpower through things. You have to optimize your environment. Same thing when it comes to fitness. You know, it's, if you have a hard time, you know, working out and you tell, you say you're going to try and get into working out, but you say you're going to work out from home, but you're not surrounded by like-minded individuals or others who have that positive mindset, like it's going to be a little bit more difficult. Um, and so that's the benefit of going to the gym and being around others who are trying to improve themselves day in and day out. You're surrounded by these awesome individuals who have this mindset who can encourage you and have community. Um, and so we really have to, you know, Think about what is our environment? How can we optimize my environment? If we're trying to become more focused when we're working and we know that we are constantly distracted by our phones and social media, but we continue to put our phone right in our vicinity at all times and when our air view in our eye view vision, our perspective, well, you're never going to be able to focus because we also know from research that as long as the phone is in the vicinity and you can see it out of the corner of your eye, you're still engaging neural energy in thinking about that phone and anticipating that notification. And we know that that actually stresses the brain even further and makes it hard for you to focus. Um, one of the things that Dr. Andrew Huberman talks a lot about when he talks about dopamine and you know motivation is that when we have this large perspective of options, right? 
in our vicinity of what we want to engage in. So let's say I have a phone on my desk and I have a book that I really want to read next to me and then I have the TV on, but then I, I, I'm trying to work on like it's like a paper right in front of me and I'm having a hard time focusing on that paper. Well, it's because you've given yourself all these options all around you of different activities to do. But what he states is that when we restrict the amount of options that we do, that we can really focus more and more clearly on that one activity and we get more of that dopamine response. We're able to lean into the challenge of doing that activity and thus build that motivation to do it. But you ha this is why it's so important that if you're trying to focus on work, that you really do it in an area void of all other distractions, away from your phone, away from other activities, or even people oftentimes. Um, and, you know, I'll get this, I'll get uh, all sorts of excuses from family members. Oh, but I mean, what if I need an emergency on my phone? Or, you know, what if I got to do this? Or I, this is the only place that I can do that. And say, well, you have to think about how to optimize your environment and really think about the importance of it. Be honest with yourself. Are you making the sacrifices necessary to do what you need to do and compartmentalize and prioritize at what times of day that you're going to do things? So we really have to be you know, mindful of our environment. Ah, that's good coffee. Got to like Timmy Hortons. It's good to be in this side of the country and get some Timmy Hortons. All right, number two. Is the two-minute rule. You know, make habits as easy as possible and master your entry point. So, for example, if you're trying to get into fitness and you're trying to improve your aerobic endurance and you really want to get into running, but if you start out way too fast, like, okay, I'm going to run for an hour. But if you haven't been running, let's say, years or, or ever, and you start out that fast, that much at that duration, there's no way you can get all of it through. It's better to have a two-minute rule and do at least two minutes. Just build up that habit. There's an example that James Clear talks about in the book that uh, the, uh, there's a, a friend of his who started to go to the gym, but he wouldn't even uh, do any workouts when he got there. He would just get in his car, drive to the gym, show up to the gym, and then immediately leave just so he could build up that habit of the easy entry point. And the more he built that into a habit and became disciplined with doing that, then he started to add on to it saying, okay, now I'm going to do 10 minutes of activity. And then as he continued to do that, it became ingrained into him to where it was easy to build the motivation to go and get started and go. So make the entry point as easy as possible. If you're not ready to start with 10,000 steps, start with five. If you're not ready to start with a half an hour of work of cardiovascular training on the treadmill, start with five minutes on the treadmill every day. Um, if you're if you're not ready to journal for 10 minutes, journal for one, one to two minutes. All right? Make it as easy as possible so that you can continue to build and sustain that habit over time. And then the third practical takeaway is remember that habits are the entry point. They're not the end point. Okay. The, the mastering the entry point is what builds that momentum that carries you through the rest of the task. Um, and so, and that's why, you know, oftentimes you'll hear people say, you need to take action because action is the only thing that'll make you feel like you want to complete the activity that you're trying to complete. You know, you're never ever gonna feel motivated ever, all the time, ever. It is fleeting, it is fake. Um, well, it's not fake, but it's it's not reliable, right? The only thing that is reliable is your actions. That is what's gonna build the last 
lasting motivation to get you through. And so um, let's talk about some of the problems with goals. And one of the biggest problems with goals is it's win or lose, you still have the same goals and they never change. And so, and that's the biggest problem is the only thing that you can change is the habits. And so that's why we really need to focus on that, that you can alter each and every day, that you can reflect on, that you can improve on, that you can be honest with yourself as the reason to why you're not achieving those goals. And for it is only a momentary change. You know, we need to create this perspective of seeing this as, is this a goal or is this long-term progress? Um, because usually when we see this as, oh, I still haven't hit my goal and it's been 10 years, you know, it, we, we fail to see what it is we've gone through during that time to get to where we are currently, which is a great way to rephrase how we're looking at our progress throughout our journeys. And so let's talk about focusing on who we want to become as our identity and the outcomes will come. And so this is what I really like diving into Jordan Peterson's self-authoring because Jordan Peterson uh, talks about this cognitive behavioral therapy that he utilized when he was a clinician, uh, working with patients to do what's called the self-authoring suite of journaling about who you were in the past, who you are presently, and who it is that you want to be in the future. And he recommends doing this every six months or so, so that you can reevaluate, you know, your progress over time, but also reaffirm and remind yourself of where you've come from, the challenges you've dealt with, and then being honest with yourself is, okay, have I applied what it is that I said I wanted to do? Have I changed the identity that I wanted to be? And am I am I trying to do what I need to do to build that future self? Um, and so this is super, super important because you need to change your identity. You need to change your personal, personality for the better to become who it is that you want to be. If it's more disciplined, if it's more fit, if it's more positive. And this is a really, really helpful tool that Dr. Jordan Peterson has utilized, not only when he was a professor, um, but in his clinical practice as well. And this is the same principle that James Clear talks about in Atomic Habits. And so let's talk about the habit loop and what happens? Why is it that we get stuck in these habits? Why is it that we, you know, we constantly consume sugar-sweetened beverages, or we we constantly, when we look at a food that's just delicious and tantalizing, like grandma cinnamon buns, why why do we just go for it all the time? And there's four steps uh, in the habit loop. It's known as cue, craving, response, and reward. And so an example of a cue would be, um, let's say you're frustrated at work. Okay, let's say we're trying to focus on developing better habits for you to focus at work. You know, the cue for a certain, and let's say the bad habit is scrolling on social media. And so the cue is, is let's say you're at work and you're, you're stressed out, you're frustrated, either something didn't go your way or you feel overwhelmed with the tasks that you have to do um, or your mind goes blank. And so what do you do? Well, in, in order to in, in order to soothe the stress, okay, and this is what procrastination is as well. Procrastination um, is not laziness. Procrastination is a coping mechanism. Um, and so, and when you're feeling this frustration, your mind goes blank, you know, right, that's your cue. And then all of a sudden that develops the craving. You want to, uh, you want to alienate the frustration. You want to soothe your stress. Um, you want to get rid of it as much as possible. And so what do you do? Well, then the, comes the response of the habits is when you check your social media, you start scrolling Instagram, you try to look for that dopamine hit to make you feel better, to look at something funny or look at something motivational. And then you get that reward. Okay. You get the fourth part. You just, you just satisfied your need to feel less frustrated. And so, and this is what, this is, you can apply the same thing to why people tend to overeat snacks or, you know, try to, you know, they, they stress eat, all right. They're emotional eaters. Um, and so, you know, social media or, you know, drinking Coca-Colas or, you know, eating snacks, 
you know, it becomes tied to your frustration at work, all right, to the procrastination, to the stress of relationships, finances, whatever it might be. And so and this is why we get stuck in these vicious cycles for years. And so in order to get over this, you need to discover your cues for your habit loops. You need to identify what is the cue for this bad habit? What is the cue for checking social media? What is the cue for, you know, looking at pornography, for example, which is very common? Uh, what is the cue for wanting to play video games? Not that games are bad, just when overdoing bad habits, um, checking your phone constantly, what is the cue? And most often it is always stress. It is always frustration. And so, well, how do we get rid of this? How do we break this cycle? How do we build better habits? And the first thing is law number one that James Clear talks about is we got to make it obvious. Okay. We have to bring attention to the habits before we start to change them. All right. We need to do a habit audit on ourselves and rate each of those habits. Okay. Which ones are playing for me and, and going to develop me into a better person and which ones are detracting from me, which ones are taking away. And so, and, you know, it was the great psychologist, uh, uh, psychiatrist, Carl Jung, who said, you know, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. And so what he means by that is until you admit to yourself that this is a bad habit or that this is a problem, okay, you will continue to be stuck in that vicious cycle, okay, you need to become aware, all right, which is so important for so many aspects of life, uh, whether it's your relationships, your finances, your the way that you stress, the way that you process conflict, and so on and so forth. And so step one into making it obvious is to set a time and location, okay, it, in, in order to build a better habit, okay, let's make it simple, all right, set a time and location, okay, I will do this certain behavior at this certain time in this location, when you give something specificity, okay, you actually give it structure, and what we know from how the brain works when it comes to procrastination, your brain will trust the activity more and the action more when there is a plan, when there is structure, when there is less to think about. So if you give it structure, let's say the let's say the gym, for example, I'm going to work out at 3 p.m. at this location downtown or wherever it is that you're going to go. Give it structure and put it into your day, schedule it. And that is a 10 times more efficient way than saying, I'm going to go running tomorrow or I'm going to try to run tomorrow. Okay. That gives you an an instant out to not do that activity, which will result in you not being able to stick with it or being consistent with that good habit. And so in the same thing, so if we do another example, let's say you want to build a reading habit. Okay. A bad example is I will read 30 minutes a day. All right. It's a bad goal, right? Because there's no specificity. There's no structure to it. There's no time and location. It's not obvious. Um, whereas a good example is I will read Habitudes by Dr. Tim Elmore, specific book, all right, for 30 minutes at 6 a.m. when I first wake up in my office at school, okay? That's that specific, that's complete structure, time and place, everything is organized, right? Then if I wanna make it even more powerful, I can stack habits, okay? And so in order to stack a habit, you say, okay, well, after this current habit, I'm going to do a new habit. And so for example, 
let's say you're trying to build your morning routine and you're trying to get more into meditation or you're trying to get more into listening to podcasts, um, things that you can do is stack habits. And so, for example, after I brush my teeth, I'm going to meditate for 10 minutes or after I brush my teeth, I'm going to read, you know, a devotional for 15 minutes. When you stack habits like that um, and you build that pattern, you create a chain. Okay. And it allows you to get into that routine and build that habit even more powerfully. Um, so from some certain examples include like after I brush my teeth, I will stretch for five minutes and then you can even build it off of that and build it even more. A good example that we took from the book was after I brush my teeth, I will stretch for five minutes. I will meditate for 10 minutes. I will then sit down for five minutes and plan my day all before checking social media. Okay. And so now you're building up this fortress of good habits before you even get to that one bad habit, you know, that you're trying to replace. And so what you need to do is choose the best trigger cue. All right. For your good habits. All right. Something automatic that you do every single day, because it is the environment that is the invisible hand that shapes human behavior. Great quote from James Clear in his book. Okay. And you need to imagine your environment as a place full of relationships, not just objects. I loved this from the book, because if you, if you truly look at things as relationships, then it allows you to identify which one of those relationships are positive and which ones are negative. And it allows you to focus on what can I do to make this better? The next thing is to make separate zones in your environment for different activities, one space, one use. And, you know, this is something that we talk about in sleep science a lot because individuals who have trouble falling asleep oftentimes will see that they have been, you know, making the biggest mistake as far as committing to certain multiple habits in certain rooms. And that's why it's hard for them to fall asleep. So for example, because remember your brain, is a brilliant machine and it will unconsciously rev itself up for particular activities without you knowing when you enter that environment. So for example, if you want the bedroom to be for just sleep and sex, which are the only two things that should be allowed in the bedroom, according to sleep scientists, then those are the only two things that should be in there. You should not have a TV in your bedroom. You should not be scrolling social media in your bedroom. You should not be reading in your bedroom. You should not be doing homework in your bedroom, so on and so forth. Same thing when it comes to working out. Um, if, you, if you're saying to yourself that you're going to work out at home and you're working out in the same area as your your TV if in the same area um, as other types of activities that you usually do, like journaling or you know playing video games on your computer, whatever it is, it's going to be that much more difficult to commit to that activity. You should have a specific area for a specific use. Same things when it comes to work and relaxation. Um, if you want your living room to be just for relaxing and chilling out and being with family, then that's what it should be for. And then if you want to do focused work, you should have a separate office or a separate room to which you do that. It allows you to build better habit formation around those better habits. Let's dive into now <clears throat> law number two. Okay. And so how to break a bad habit. Okay. First we have to make, uh, we have to make the, the, the harder habits more attractive. Right. And so and when we when we try to understand what dopamine spikes are, you know, and Dr. Andrew Huberman talks about this a lot on his podcasts, um, dopamine spikes, you usually get is, is dopamine is like feel good hormone. Right. That motivation that. Oh, yes. That reward, 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 reward. And we get that from social media use, from junk food, from drugs that are highly associated with dopamine, like cocaine. The craving and anticipation of the rewarding experience is what makes them so habit forming. 
right? This is why we feel so good when we eat a cinnamon roll, something that's high in sugar, um, because we get this super dopamine spike from the anticipation of, oh my gosh, I have to have it, okay? Um, but not knowing that it has a, a large cost, a cost, a cost of that. And so we need to use what's called temptation bundling. Okay, and temptation bundling is what combines an action we need to do with one we want to do. And so this is called pre-max principle, okay, making it more probable that we'll get a behavior effect than less probable ones. And so and the first thing that we can do uh, for that is group influence, is surround yourself with like-minded individuals. If you're if you're surrounded by other people who are working hard, who are supportive, who are in the same journey that you are, it's going to become much, much easier to make that habit more attractive. Okay. The next thing you have to do is figure out where these cravings come from. You know, be bring that to your 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 conscious. Okay, you know, my what what you're doing is a lot of the habits that we have is modern day solutions to ancient desires okay they're just new versions of old vices you know their underlying motives behind human behavior remains the same the biggest behaviors uh motives behind human behavior is obtaining food and water love and reproduction uh reducing uncertainty and anxiety you know getting status and prestige the, this is this is why we do everything that we do and you can make hard habits more attractive if you can learn to associate them with that positive experience right you have to reprogram your brain to enjoy those hard habits to leaning in to learning to love the journey and the hard work and so we have to make these things more attractive you know so when you're trying to lean into focusing on a hard project or a hard assignment you know you have to take some time to reframe the way that you're looking at this and show yourself that this is building me a skill that could potentially build my income or get me good grades to get my degree to set me up for my career or you know leaning into this hard physical activity is going to make me feel better and allow me to have better endurance to breathe better to have higher levels of energy throughout the day you know eating these healthier foods is going to allow me to feel better and less digestive issues, less inflammation, less pain. It's going to allow me to lose weight. Take time to reflect and show and just take daily intent and write things out, journal it, put it into perspective of what makes these good habits so attractive in the first place. It'll allow you to be, you know, better accepted. You know, people will look up to you. You know, you will get all of these positive effects from yourself and you learn to make those habits more attractive. Now that we've discussed how to make good habits more attractive, let's discuss how to break a bad habit. And the best way that you can do this is to show yourself how unattractive that habit is and discuss the negative impacts that those habits have on you. And so and the first thing, and this comes from Law 3 from James Clear, is make it easy, okay, is to frame it in terms of the number of repetitions you need to form that new habit over that bad habit. And so you reduce the friction with the good habits and increase friction with the bad habits. And so what you want to do is, you know, make it more difficult for you to achieve that bad habit or uh, be, able to be able to commit the energy to that bad habit. So if you know that you are terrible at scrolling on your phone, then what you need to do is remove it from your environment. You need to put your phone in a completely different room if you're trying to focus on a task. If you know that you are going to be at high risk for opening up the bag of potato chips, you have to make sure that you remove it from your environment. Don't buy it. Don't put it in your pantry. Don't put it out in front of you. Um, if you know that you are going to be more likely to pay attention to the television set rather than reading a book that you want to read, 
read in a completely different room. Increase the friction that it takes. Um, I'm going to utilize an example of, you know, getting on certain, you know, websites that people should not be on, for example, increase the friction of which it takes to get there, have a website blocker on that particular website, um, <clears throat> make it more difficult to access the computer, do whatever it takes to increase the friction of you being able to commit your energies to that habit. And that's how you can begin to break that habit over time. And one of the most powerful things you can do is decrease the friction with the better habits. Make it easier to get to the gym. You know, put your, you know, if you if you want to go to work and go to gym first thing in the morning, then make it so that the gym is on the way to work and create that habit of waking up in the morning, getting to the gym and then going right to work. And it, decrease the friction, make it easier uh, in order to commit to that habit and it can really set you up for success. And so as a, you know, an important segue to really to consider what you guys need to do for New Year's is really take a step back and audit yourself. What are the habits that you have, good and bad, and state the relationship that you have with each of those habits, which ones you need to increase the friction to break the habit, and which ones you need to decrease the friction and create that habit using the laws that we've discussed. And I want to segue into a topic that we talked about earlier this year with one of my favorite habitudes from Dr. Tim Elmore was the iceberg. As you're heading into this new year, really determine what do you look like underneath? There was a big topic that we talked about with the self-leadership principles from Tim Elmore, and he talks about the iceberg. And if we recall what the picture of the iceberg is, is that the tip of the iceberg is the only thing that you can see when, in fact, the majority of the iceberg is beneath the surface. When you are trying to be a better person, when you're trying to improve your identity, you know, you're trying to increase the, the good habits in your lifestyle and set yourself up for success. It matters on what's underneath. You know, what is what is your iceberg? What are your principles? What makes you up? 90% of you is underneath the water. All right. And this all comes down. Yourself is the total of your self-discipline, your ability to do what's right, even when you don't feel like your core values, the principles by which you live that enable you to take moral stand your sense of identity, a realistic self-image based on your gifts and your personality and your habits, and then your emotional security, the capacity to be emotionally stable and consistent. Really do a check on yourself. Are you putting the effort into the places that you need to to be a better person? Are you doing what is necessary? Are you being honest with yourself? I found one of the biggest problems people have is just not being honest with themselves. They don't tell themselves the truth and they convince themselves of the lies that they tell themselves. Be honest with yourself. Be willing to be vulnerable and be willing to tell yourself, you know what? I need to change. I need to build better habits. I have these goals, but I can't. If you're, if you continue to be in the same place year after year after year, why? You know, identify why. Identify what you're doing that's keeping you from achieving success, and then break those bad habits and build better ones. I wish you all the best end to the year 2022. And can't wait to see what everyone is capable of in 2023. Remember, you're the only thing that is in your way of success. FIO, figure it out, as Bedros Koulian says. Whatever challenges are in front of you, embrace that challenge. Have a growth mindset and see life for what it really is. Life is a gift. And every day that goes by is time ticking away from that gift. Take advantage of the time that we have on this earth and make it count. And make it worthwhile. Have the best life that you possibly can.
I want to wish happy holidays and happy new year to everyone. And let's kick some ass 2023. I've been Coach B and we'll see you in the new year. Do you want to work with us and becoming the best version of yourself? Be sure to check our coaching application down in the bio to get more information about how to get the best in fitness and nutrition coaching from the Evolve Coaches. Be sure to check out all of our information and great content we put out every single day on our Instagram and our Facebook group. Be sure to check us out on EvolveHealthAndPerformance.com for more information and keep tuning in to the Evolved Athlete Podcast for the best in everything fitness, nutrition, and becoming the best version of yourself. We'll see you in the next one. Evolve Team out.